Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, Happy New Year, and welcome to the Times Business Podcast, where we look ahead to what's likely to be making news and moving markets over the coming days. I'm Robert Muller. This week, that means we'll be looking at the sector that not only really affects us all, either as consumers and investors, but it's also a vital part of our economy. Yes, it's retail. And what a start to the year. A billion pound plus bid in the offing. A top chief executive, he's already walked the plank. And predictions of dire times to come with a series of trading updates. To make sense of it all, I'm joined by Richard Fletcher, the business editor of The Times, Deirdre Hitwell, our retail correspondent, and Alex Ralph, Times stock market reporter. Welcome to you all. Richard, let me start with you. There are a lot of private investors with shares in Marks and Spencers, and Mark Bolland's gone after what was described as a frankly disappointing Christmas performance, and Steve Rowe comes in. So what can he do differently or better than Mark Bolland? Well, I have to declare, I've got a bit of a soft spot for Steve Rowe, actually. I like him a lot. Uh, He had the misfortune about a year ago. We went up to Glasgow to look around some of his food stores, and thanks to the ineptitude of uh, UK infrastructure, he ended up uh, sharing a six-hour train journey back with me from Glasgow, having spent the whole day. So, and I like him a lot. He's a really nice guy. Uh, He's not your typical chief executive. I sort of always feared that M&S wouldn't opt for him because he's not, he doesn't fit into that sort of suave, uh, chief executive mould he's a chain smoker uh, he's a Millwall fan not that there's anything wrong with that but he, he he's not your typical M&S chief executive but he is loved by his troops uh, he has been very successful he is an M&S lifer he started as a sort of top shop trainee but he quickly left after a couple of years and joined as a management trainee bracket experienced as he likes to tell you his dad worked for M&S uh, he loves the business he loves the people I'm not sure we'll see huge amounts of change he is the internal candidate which is slightly strange for M&S we haven't seen that for a while but so I'm not sure we'll see huge amounts amounts of change but I think he is the right person for the job Deirdre might disagree with me on that um, I suppose there's a question mark about what he does with the margin savings that the Lindsay brothers are delivering Mark Bolland has made a very conscious decision in recent times to invest that in profits and building the profits at M&S you know we could see Steve maybe decide that he wants to deliver some sales growth just to show that he's doing a good job and bizarrely the city and journalists tend to concentrate on you know on on the sales number rather than the profits number. Well, Deirdre, would you, Richard raised the point there. Do you think Steve Rowe could make a big difference, or 
is he actually battling something that's more a, a bigger, more fundamental change in the high street, really? Um, I would e echo a lot of the points that Richard made. I mean, today on the Presumably call, not about being a Millwall supporter. Though. Well, quite. We'll leave that bit out. <laughs> but today, uh, Robert Swannell, the chairman of MS, well, first of all, was keen to point out that there had been a very rigorous internal succession planning and assessment. So they clearly think he's the right man for the job. And they pointed out that he's done pretty much everything at MS. He's He's worked in across the whole business and when he joined food he had never worked in the food business and then went on to deliver 12 quarters of consecutive growth so clearly he is a very good operator to give some credence to Mark Bolland I think also when he joined the business needed a lot of work done and a lot of it is the type of work that you don't necessarily see as a shopper in M&S it's to do with back office functions IT how you're buying how you're merchandising and I think he's done a lot of the hard work so I do think Steve Rowe is inheriting a better business than when Mark Bolland joined but of course Steve Rowe was only recently moved to the head of the general merchandising division, which has always been the bugbear for M&S. And of course, now that he's going into the top job, they are once again looking for somebody to lead that division. And I think it'll be interesting to see who they bring in there. What about stock market reaction, Alex? Do they really care who's at the head as long as they deliver? Well, the stock market reaction was made interesting reading this morning and perhaps wouldn't have pleased Mark Bolland. There were only two FTSE 100 stocks up this morning when the market was getting absolutely hammered and one of those was, was Marks & Spencer. So the market reacted quite positively to the change. Going back to the point we were making earlier, though, is there something different that's going on in the high street now? We've, we've heard people talk about the weather. We've heard people talk about far greater choice. Marks & Spencer's once really the bedrock of the high street. Is there any reason why it should grow in terms of either share price or in business. Richard? I mean, listen, it's, it's obviously been a really tough year, uh, well, end of the year for retailers. The weather has been unfortunate. We had the, the you know, the, 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 the rise of uh, Black Friday here and the fact that, you know, people are, do now expect promotional discounts in the run-up to the busiest time of year. It's obviously been a tough year for retailers, but, you know, let's not let's not get it out of uh, context. You know, M&S is still making uh, lots of money. Um, it's still profitable. You know, it's had a tough time on clothing, but actually food is now a lot, in terms of sales food is now the larger part of the business so you know i don't i don't, I don't think we should become obsessed about m&s women's wear we, we we have a tendency to but it does make money in food you know it's 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 it has been a tough uh, run up to christmas but anyone who and okay everyone every always uses weather as an excuse but it's been obvious to anyone who's who's you know kept an eye on these things that it would obviously be tough because it hasn't been cold it, it, you know and therefore people don't go out and buy coats and they don't go out and buy jumpers Alex yeah I mean one of the interesting points of that is that um, there's been a lot of headlines over the years about Mark Bolland being under pressure but actually when when we sit back and, and look at the um, the, the, the FTSE 100 chart and also M&S it's actually Marks and Spencer's done very well actually over his period it's outperformed the benchmark absolutely and he has certainly increased um, market share in food and sales and obviously in, in general merchandise um, he's put a lot of the building blocks in place so in theory M&S should be on the way to really turning around that division and the spin very much on the announcement was that he made this decision in the summer and if you look back, and, and who knows whether that's true or not, but if you look back, you can imagine in the summer the share price was a lot higher than, than where it was now. Alex will be able to tell me how much higher. And, and the Lindsay brothers were delivering these who came from Next. They're these uh, sourcing specialists. They were delivering higher margins. You can imagine back then Bolland 
could see himself going out on a high either now or or uh, with the the results and basically going out with profits rising sales doing okay you know it events may have overcome him so i don't think we should necessarily assume that that explanation isn't correct and that he hadn't made the decision last summer all right well we'll assume for the moment that marks and spencers is in safe hands deirdre home retail group i mean we've got sainsbury's hovering and uh, as you reported in an exclusive uh, story tesco's old boss sir terry leahy possibly interested in making an offer when they issue a trading update are we going to know what makes this business home retail group so attractive to sainsbury's and possibly others i think we already know why this business is so attractive to um sainsbury's when they started trialing these argus stores 18 months ago uh, there was very positive reaction to them from the get-go and clearly although we've never had the exact figures from Sainsbury as to how those Argus concessions are doing they're clearly doing well given that the group is now um, thinking about making a bid for the entire business I think what will be interesting um, from home retail groups point is actually their figures we believe Sainsbury's made the original approach in November after they had issued a rather unusual pre-Christmas warning that they were seeing unusual trade patterns and that there were some concerns around how Black Friday would play out. And Argus has been struggling in the sense that it's like-for-like sales have been dipping as fewer people have been buying big-ticket items like TVs and iPads. So I think there'll certainly be a keen look at the figures because the when the rumours first started circulating about Home Retail Group being a takeover target at the end of last year, most M&A bankers you spoke to said, well, nobody would be stupid enough to make a bid until after they've seen how Christmas trading is doing. So it'll be interesting to see if people are waiting for that. And then we might see some other parties coming out of the woodwork to challenge Sainsbury's potential bid. Richard. Uh, if you're Sainsbury's, you're rather hoping there's a really terrible update, aren't you, in that, you, that, that it scares off other bidders. And, and for Sainsbury's, it's about long-term logic, this deal, rather than uh, short-term logic. I, I think it's actually really quite a good deal. And it's strange, actually, the sort of you know, media metropolitan commentary out have taken against the deal and sort of declared that Argos, share, Argos shoppers aren't Sainsbury shoppers, despite the fact that 70% of the population shop at Argos. And the city seems to have taken against it. But as Alistair Osborne, one of our commentators, pointed out, he doubts many city analysts have ever shopped at Argos. But, you know, you talk to retailers, and particularly retailers who have looked at this business, and they see Sainsbury's as a natural fit. And this is a sort of idea Philip Green talked about many sort of years ago when he looked at bidding for Sainsbury's you know supermarkets have this tremendous footfall every every week tremendous number of people coming into their stores and therefore the opportunity to sell to them non-food is fantastic and that's what this Argus tie-up as as Deirdre explained in the paper this week and we'll put that piece back up online um you know that's what this deal is about it's about you know the synergies between the two businesses and i personally think there's very few people who can who can get better synergies than sainsbury's and if they can find the right price to uh, satisfy the uh, home retail group board i'd be amazed if this deal doesn't happen and of course sainsbury's their range is quite complementary with argus's range because sainsbury's has a good homewares range clothing range which argus does not have whereas argus is obviously quite heavier in other areas such as toys and electrical items so they can combine their buying books which will in a way help um, generate a lot of savings and sainsbury's also can um, benefit from putting a lot of Argus stores into their big super stores and of course that's been the big challenge all the supermarket groups have been trying to do is what to do with excess space in these large super stores which they don't really need as much space in. 
Richard, you had a point to make. Yeah, well, I was going to say, the sort of the, one of the growth areas for Argus has been click and collect and this idea that you go online, you order your, your item, and then you just pop into the store and pick it up. And that has been a huge growth area. And anyone who's ever done it realises how convenient it is. Well, imagine being able to do that in any Sainsbury's local around the country. So you go on your mobile phone, you order the, you know, the electrical item or whatever it is you want from the 70,000 SKUs on Argus, and then on the way home you stop at the Sainsbury's local and pick it up. That's an amazing... You know, that's a huge network. And then when you're in the Sainsbury's local, the chances are you're going to pick up a bottle of wine or a ready meal or et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, it's this virtuous circle. It's a, it's, it's, it, the deal has a lot of great commercial logic. Forget the sort of financial private equity engineering logic. Actually, commercially, you can really see why it's a good idea. And I think a lot of retailers are realising that click and collect is really a vital part of them having a multi-channel offering. And John Lewis themselves, who obviously had a, had a good trading update, Christmas trading update this week pointed out that a lot of their online sales, a lot of the growth have been generated by click and collect. And even uh, Sir Charlie Mayfield on the Today programme was talking about the fact that he could see the sense in Sainsbury's move. Alex, can I bring you in here? Deirdre mentioned it a bit earlier. You sometimes see ahead of these bids unnatural trading patterns. I mean, that's one issue about does this information leak out into the market or not. But the other one is, what about the position you've written about short sellers, people who are taking bets on retail shares for one reason or another, how much do they distort the market and is it a disadvantage for private investors? Yeah, I mean, I think the, um, the regulator will be taking quite a close look at the home retail this week because in advance of Sainsbury's announcing or rather revealing the fact that it was interested in buying home retail, the shares in home retail had shot up 16% before that announcement. So clearly, city traders were speculating that it already leaked into the market. And confusing the picture even more was the fact that shares in home retail had fallen by half over the past year predominantly down to the fact that there's so much pressure from short sellers. It's one of the most heavily shorted stocks on, in London. Richard, anything can be done more about it, if you'd like, to, to keep a tighter control on this sort of information leaking out, or is it just a natural phenomenon? Well, actually, some of the people I were talk- have been talking to in the last couple of days suggest actually it was the fact that uh, Home Retail Group had been tipped by so many of the um, the uh, end of year, you know, beginning of the year economists, including our Martin Waller, whose portfolio is now up sharply. His his yearly tips on on um, Home Retail Group, so perhaps he'll call it a day today. Uh, no, I, I, I personally remember small investors can short stocks as well. It's quite easy. You just go to any spread betting site and you can you can try your luck. It's actually harder than picking winners in, in my own personal experience. Um, but uh, so I'm not sure whether it had leaked out or whether you know the share price just moved up on the back of people buying because they felt it looked cheap and therefore that obviously forced the takeover panel announcement who knows I mean there'd obviously been lots of bid speculation around and actually the fact it hadn't leaked to the media obviously as a business editor I'm deeply disappointed by that fact but you know actually some of the advisors took quite you know took some pride in the fact that it hadn't leaked um obviously we don't want to encourage that uh we want to encourage as many leaks as possible but so so you know i i am not sure that it was a, that big an issue it, obviously the share price moved up the takeover panel forced sainsbury's to make the announcement i did think it was interesting that sainsbury's made the announcement rather than home retail group typically it'd be the company that had made the approach that would that had had the approach that would make the announcement i don't know why that was i'm, I'm not sure we'll ever find out um obviously it suits sainsbury's for the 
late for it to have leaked out. You know, we now have a bare squeeze. Uh, presumably, we get the, you know, we either see another bidder or we don't. And if no other bidder emerges, the share price uh, slightly moves away from the highs we saw immediately following the announcement. You see the ARBs move on to the shareholder register. The holders sell out because, you know, they've suddenly seen this huge rise. Uh, the ARBs come on who obviously want to see the deal because they don't want to see the share price fall. And that all plays into Sainsbury's hands. Are there any, I'm going to ask each of you, are there any other retailers out there, if you like, who you think are vulnerable to bids and that we might well see uh, before the spring? Deirdre, I'll start with you. Um, I think people might look at Debenhams this year. Debenhams, obviously, they've got a trading update next week. And Michael Sharp has already announced that he's stepping down. There was a lot of speculation before his announcement that he was stepping down that shareholders were not happy with Debenhams performance and that they wanted to see some change so I don't know you might see some people looking at Debenhams. Richard? Not in the quoted sector but I wouldn't fall off my chair if Walmart sold Asda. Really? Well they've looked at it before they tried to sell it uh, previously and if you're Walmart sitting in Bentonville uh, why on earth would you want to own Asda? You know, apart from the fact it provides you with a stream of uh, senior management. You know, this is one of the toughest supermarket uh, markets in the world. Even in good times, you don't get returns much more than four or five percent. And there's plenty of other places around the world get much better returns. So, you know, I wouldn't it, listen. I, I don't. Even, I have no reason to suggest that there's any that they are trying to sell it. But if if that flashes up on the screens in the next couple of months, I wouldn't be. I, w- I wouldn't fall off my chair. Okay, and Alex? Potentially French Connection. Um, really? quite an interesting um, stock market announcement today, which was that the founding family of Dunelm, a uh, popular homewares chain, particularly in the Midlands, the founding family of that. And in the southwest. Don't forget the southwest. I've seen their stores. Had taken a 5% stake in French Connection, which is another struggling clothing retailer, so perhaps watch this space. All right. Well, thank you all very much indeed. Let's hope we don't see any unusual share trading patterns in that. Uh, that's about it for now. But remember, you can keep up to date with all the financial news on our website. And if you are a Time subscriber, sign up to our daily morning and lunchtime emails. That's for everything you need to know wherever you are. If you don't have a subscription, we're still keeping that special £1 offer. You'll find that at thetimes.co.uk. And if you want to hear us weekly, you can subscribe through iTunes. My thanks to Richard Fletcher, Deirdre Hipwell and Alex Ralph, all top tipsters, we hope. They're on Twitter, so do follow them, please. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to thetimes.co.uk. Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times. And it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. 
Done. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout. Because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs> 